Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge. It's the No Mulligans podcast. Scott Hassey and Jack Beard here. We're going to be talking uh, about a, it's going to be kind of a part two, kind of a remake of a episode that we did a long time ago. It's going to be a remake, but we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper. So to start, before we get into this, uh, really appreciate you guys listening. If you guys are on Apple Music or Spotify, make sure you give us a follow or a five star and a rating. It really, really helps for people who are trying to get better at golf and search just golf in the podcast and we pop up. It's huge for us. So if you could please give us a, a follow and a five star and a review, that would be excellent. You can also find us on YouTube. If you type in No Mulligans Podcast, you'll see us. And I know we've got uh, some YouTube crowd out there. Shout out Steve and Sherry. I know and you just Scott. looked up from your computer monitor. And Scott Spector. Love that. Those they're going to be. They're, they're going to hear their names, and they're going to be like, "Whoa, what?" what? <laughs> That's so great. Good. But uh, yeah, we're on YouTube too. No Mulligans Podcast. We're recording this, so if you're on YouTube, hello. You can see me waving. Uh, Scott's got the whiteboard out. So the reason why I mentioned the YouTube uh, is because we've got the whiteboard out, and we're going to be describing what we're writing down here. So uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We're going to be doing some cool trips coming up, too. We've got yep. the uh, Play With the Pod. I was waiting for you to do that. I was like, I know, I know. We're waiting, we we're waiting. Uh, so we're going to be starting Playing With the Pod. We've got a date in July that we have picked out where we're going to go and uh, play. What uh, Are we announcing what course it is or are we leaving it up? Yeah, we're playing in – I'll look it up. I'll have it. I'll have the answer before we're done. Okay, sounds good. But we uh, a lot of people uh, really wanted to play with Scott and I because we sit up here and we talk a lot. But um, – we never really get a chance to play with a lot of people unless it's matched up in a random tea time. So we yep. thought this would be an excellent opportunity where we can go and take our games to a foreign course where we might not be as comfortable, go have a good time, see a new course, and, and go play. So yep. uh, it's going to be an excellent opportunity where we're going to be able to take some of our podcast topics and really implement them into uh, going and playing a different course and really understanding how we really, really need to lean in on our mental game when we're playing a course that we probably haven't played before. Or a, a course that we haven't played hundreds of rounds on, right? right? right. So, uh, excellent nope. opportunity, and and we could be going to Pinehurst later. It's that's uh, one of the goals. That's, that's the goal. one of the we've goals. Gotta, we've got to make enough traction with these first couple for us to be able to make a trip like that. Yep. So yep. So come help got us out. Do that. Come join us. Um, hang on. I'm almost. I'm almost at You're it. You're so yeah, close. So close. It's right there. Uh, so July 23rd. Perfect. Um. We've got options possibly leave on the 22nd night, so it would be an overnight. We would play Eagle Sticks Golf Club in Zanesville, Ohio, where I shot my lowest college tournament score, finished seventh, was tied for first after the first day. So Sweet. I had a little bit of a Ricky Fowler situation and kind of <laughs> fell back. <laughs> right? Uh, so, But some cool backstory with that one. So come join us. I know we already have um, two groups signed up. We have one full group signed up. I know he's going to grab a couple others. Yep. Uh, Donnie Nowell. And then uh, Stephen Cherry's expressed interest and uh, Alonzo. Stephen. Alonzo Williams today. Oh, let's go. Let's go, Zoe. So Alonzo wants in. So, like, there's two. They need one more for their group. Come yep. join us. It's $500 a team uh, to come do it. We'll have some fun. So come and join us. Um, hit us up. So July 23rd, that's at Eagle Sticks. And then we go August 20th. I've got to see if I can get us on there. It's at Springfield Country Club in Springfield, Ohio, site of the Ohio State Amateur that I played in in college. That's sweet. That's so. sweet. So if you guys want a chance to play with the pod, come on out. And, hey, this is interesting. I have an interesting uh, proposition for you and for the listeners uh -oh. out there. 
before we do our goal trip to Pinehurst, we will have another live podcast out here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. One of the giveaways will be somebody gets to come on the Play With The Pod trip. Just one person? Just one person. Okay. We'll see if we can work that out. I think we can make that work. I think there's enough money in these first two where we could probably make that work. We'll see. So We'll see what we can do. But that's our goal, to go out and take uh, take our games abroad, if you will, and go play some cool spots. Yeah. So I, It's great. I'm not going to keep talking. I want to talk about this. All good. All good. Well, uh, so part two of an episode that we shot. 2020. Geez, 2020. Where we're talking about game theory. Talking about game theory, and uh, specifically, last episode we talked about match play, and we used cornhole as an opportunity to teach people about where you need to be stepping on the gas or maybe playing a little conservative when it comes to match play. So uh, I remember, too, when Franklin Bridge had the first match play tournament out here, we had some fellows who did not necessarily play match play the way that it should be played or didn't take advantage of some certain situations. So in this episode, we're going to be teaching you guys how you can get the one up on your buddies when you're playing match play in uh on a random saturday right so we're gonna dive into a couple of different things here um jack i'll probably need you to hold the mic a little bit or talk us through a little bit like we did in that last one but i think one of the big errors that people make when they're playing is they're not actually playing the game that it is that's being played I don't know if that made sense. No, totally makes sense. The way that I'm taking it is that golf is the game, right? But there's also a sub-game behind it when you're talking about match play. This is also why you will see guys play slightly differently if you ever watch a tournament that's in a playoff, right? Right. Because essentially, it's a match play when you get to the end. Right. And so there's match play uh, and stroke play are two completely different games except for certain moments. So... What I mean by that is there's two different types of core games in game theory. You have what are called sequential games, and you have games that are called simultaneous games. So stroke play tournaments are all simultaneous games. This is why I don't play skins. So I don't ever put skins in any sort of game because when you're doing skins, you're basically introducing match play into a stroke play tournament. Yeah. So I will never put money on skins because I'm not actually playing that game. So it's a simultaneous game versus a sequential game. The odds are probably not as in your favor as either of the games separately. Correct. So to first understand a sequential game, we think of, I'm going to do a really basic one, grab a pen. You'll do this too. Right? So this is a really easy sequential game y'all can do this at home you've probably done this before if you haven't done this before you haven't lived um oh this works better so (laughs) right oh the good old tic-tac-toe tic-tac-toe is a sequential game yep all right so i'll let you go first all right i hope i don't lose a tic-tac-toe right yeah we'll see tic-tac-toe should always end in a draw should always end in cat yeah Essentially. Yeah. Oh, man, I messed up here. I definitely messed up. Why would you go there? Are you crazy? You know how to play tic-tac-toe, oh, right? shoot. I wasn't even Golly, thinking. I'm not even going to let you go. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. Jeez, right? So 
Right. Well, see, I win because you screwed up the yeah. start of the game. You're right. Right. So, like, erase it, do it again. So it's a sequential game. You play, then I play. You play, then I play. It's hard to podcast and play tic-tac-toe at the same time. He's, like, trying to make sure he's doing everything right at the same time. <laughs> what if I had oh, engineered, the black. Too? I'm, uh Oh, can't see the red. Hang on. Go in black. Thank you, Tate. Thanks, Tate. By the way, if you see Tate around the uh, club, say hey to him and say thank you to him. All right. I'll let you go first again. I'll pick the middle. I I heard somewhere that like you can actually the middle is not necessarily the most advantageous place to play. No, it doesn't matter where you play. You should always end in. Yeah. You have to I block mean, me, right? And then I have to block you, and then it's gonna go yeah, there, right? Yeah. So it's it's yep. always gonna end in cat. Tic Tac Toe is boring. It's played well, right? So it is. So that's a really simple game. Then we play a more complex game, like cornhole, right? So you and I are both throwing. We're going to try and do this upside down, right? Yeah, so we're drawing um, a cornhole board. We're drawing a cornhole board, essentially. All right, so you're going to – now, we don't have total control. Like, when we're playing cornhole, yep. we have – or not cornhole, tic-tac-toe, we have total control of what's happening. Correct. Because there's no physical skill involved. Correct. Right, so now you're introducing – yeah, hey, we'll let Tate be Vanna White. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the light-colored hair and the mustache. This is great. So, We'll just sit down here. Oh. No, she hey, doesn't. Hey, Tate. He Hello. Everybody say hey to Tate. Hey, Tate. All right. Uh, did you hear the audience? That was fantastic. <laughs> um, so if Jack and I are playing, we're going to throw, and there's going to be a certain variance to the accuracy of our throws. So because you lost... Tic-tac-toe the first time. I'm going to let you throw first. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, you're trying to throw it in. Correct. Right? Because throwing it in, so we got to know the rules of the game, right? So, if you throw it in, it's three. Uh, if you land it on the board, it's one. And uh, if you miss the board, it's nothing. And yep. the points cancel out, right? Yep, yep. So. You're playing net score. Right. Yeah. So, right now, it's zero to zero. Yep. He's throwing first. I'll, uh. I'll oh gotta open the pen. I'll just land it on the board almost almost next to the hole. Alright, so great. So that then creates so that move, that placement of that bag influences my choice. Just sure. like tic tac toe does. Yep. Right? So anything over here has a very low probability of going in. Mm -hmm. It reduces part of my board, but helps focus me onto this side of the board. Yeah, so, so for those of you at home, I am just short of the hole on the on the bottom left side at roughly 7 o'clock, and Scott is talking about, okay, so now, since my bag is there, he's having to choose where he's going based on the probability of it going in, also based on how I threw my shot. Right, so I'm going to throw mine, unless I didn't throw it as well as I wanted to, Mm -hmm. And mine ends up over here. So he's gonna miss. Uh, Scott missed to the right. He's next to the hole. Now it's one to one. Now it's a, a wash. We're at zero zero. One to one. So now I'm thinking. All right. Well, one to one. Nothing's gonna hurt me here. I just need to either. I need to shoot for the middle, right. essentially. So I'm freed up. Why would you shoot for the middle? So we know it's one to one. Yep. You know I threw it close to the hole there. What are you trying to do? What I'm trying to do here is, especially with my bag that's right here, I'm going to try and throw it right kind of at the middle middle third, or excuse me, like the upper third of the board right below the hole so that if I if I miss it short, I'm still on the board. If I miss it long, but, it's probably in the hole. And if I throw it perfect, it's a swish. And what do you have 
throwing it harder allows you to also do what? What do you have that you didn't have in the when your first throw? In yeah, your first I had my throw, first you bag. had no cushion. So if I throw my bag, so if you throw I it too hard, bag. if you yeah. throw it too hard in your first throw, you could end up off the board, right? Correct, correct. So now you're playing with things that have occurred based on what's occurred prior. That's correct because your bag is there and my bag's here. So even right. if I throw it hard, you might I'll hit one of our bags. Right, which could stop you here. You could hit your bag and knock yours in. Yep. You could throw carry yours a little far and it fly in. Yep. You could land it too short and it still slide up. Like there's so many options that are now open. I can also knock you your bag in. Right. So I probably want to bias to the left a little bit because I could hit my bag or I could put it in. And if you catch a part of my bag, I'm you might make yours in by pushing mine off to the side, right? Yep. So let's make it interesting. I'm gonna throw my next one and I hit it. It slid in the middle and it went in. Does it? Did it move this bag at all? It did not move that bag at okay. all. Okay. So did it move this one? Nope. Okay. So basically we're in the same scenario, but we're not. Now you're up three zero. Yep. I now, by force of nature, I saw you make that. You threw the first one short, the next one's in. Clearly, you've got some control over your bag. Do I throw the next one in? Mm-hmm. Or do I try to block the hole to make it harder for you to throw it in? Right? So I have multiple choices. And the point of this, we don't have to play this all the way out, is to see that every decision that he makes directly affects every decision that I make. That is a sequential game. Now we're in playing a sequential, a sequential game that involves skill. Correct. So how good am I at throwing it in the hole without throwing it over the back of the board? A.K.A. how close, how good am how I to getting close to the hole? How good are you at what you're doing? So players that aren't as good, what they typically will do is they'll still try to throw it in the hole. Mm. but they're not as accurate right to left, then they'll throw it and it'll get too long, it'll have a chance to fall off the board, yep. and they'll actually start missing points. So if you're not as good of a player, let's say I'm not as good as you are at throwing cornhole bags, I'm going to hit it anywhere. Oh, man. I got it, I got it. You got it. Anywhere in this square that's right below the hole. That's because correct. Because what does that force me to do? Let's say you land your next bag right in front of the hole, right? Yeah, this pin's where Now out. I don't have that runway. I don't have the ability to throw it in such a manner to where I have the leeway to have it scoot into the hole instead of swish into right. the hole. So I have the ability to at least land it somewhere in here, even if it's not there. Let's say it finishes here, right? So now, now getting, here's, the, here's what's fun. So now I'm having to aim. Well, okay, let's take, the, let's take a look at this. I right now am up. By two points. You're up by two. It's two two to nothing. I'm up by two points. And we just started the game. Correct. So we just started the game. Uh, we're going to pretend like I'm not playing from behind. This is like the first time we're playing, right? And what do you want to make sure you main? Do you want to throw first or do you want to throw second early in the game? I want to... Personally, I want to throw first. First, always. Yeah. End of the game, it changes. Correct. Correct. Right. So, uh, so here's where I'm aiming at this point. My biggest thing is I want to make sure I get it on the board. I want to give myself a three-point lead to where if and you make me have to and, and make you right. have to put it in. Right, right. Welcome to sequential games. There we go. This is match play. Mm -hmm. if so now let's say I land. I'm just I'm trying to hit it anywhere on the board. So I'm going to aim for this this fat part. I'm not even worried about it going in the hole. Right. So I'm just going to throw it. It's going to land. Well, uh, here's the other thing. My bag's in the way. I can be strategic here. Yes, you can. I can As be strategic here. Depending on where you are at and how confident I feel in my throws, if I'm feeling good about how I'm throwing, I am aiming anywhere you any, could, anywhere in here. You could throw it over this bag. Correct. If I'm not feeling good or if we're playing for 
crazy amount of money and maybe I don't feel confident in my throw or, or whatever, I'm just putting it anywhere on the board. Because if I Correct. miss short, if I miss short, then and honestly, I'm probably still aiming for here because if I come up short, then I'm good. Right. Sorry. I'm, so what are you I'm gonna amped. do, Jack? Where Where do you throw this one? Um, I'm just gonna say I'm feeling good and I'm gonna aim for the target. And let's say I um, let's just say I miss. Let's say I miss my good throw, and I end up hitting yours, but I'm on the board right here. You might be a hair closer to the hole, but and I'm, you have you I'm have right one here. bag left. I have two bags left. That's correct. So I'm sitting there going, okay, maybe he doesn't have as much control over what he does, right? I'm not really totally certain, right? Yep. So I still need to get some points. I'm still going to be somewhat aggressive. But I've also, because I'm throwing from the right side of the board, I have this little lane I can throw it through. So I'm going to give it a little bit of gas. And at best, let's just say I'm not as good. I just happen to throw it right there just short of the hole. Okay. Now it's still you're still up 2-0. So now for the, the listeners at home, uh, the, the hole is pretty blocked right now. There's two bags on the just in front of the hole, one bag on the right of the hole. One and that's yours and one that's mine. Correct. And then two bags, one of each mine and Scott, that are short in the right middle the of the hole. Uh, Scott's is in front of mine. So at this point, you're up 2-0. I'm up by two points. Same scenario applies. I'm just going to try and hit the board. And we've assumed that you're better at throwing bags than I am. Okay. If that's something that we've assumed, I'm right. okay with that. Right. So, so that's why I haven't made one yet. I've gotten close, but I haven't made one. Perfect. So for me right now, uh, the worst case scenario for me is knocking one of your bags in. That's correct. Because I don't have to make one. Nope. And I can still stay up by a full throw even correct. if you make one, right? Now, here's, here's something that can come into play, right? You have this lane. You missed short. There is a scenario where you can throw your bag a little and line drive and put both in. And knock one or two in. But because we've assumed that you're not as good of a thrower as I am, correct. then you I'm going to take that scenario out of play. That's correct. And I'm going to land it anywhere on this board. I'm probably going to throw a higher shot that kind of thumps and lands on the board rather than one that scoots on the board. So let's just say I throw a pretty safe one. Because I like your throw here, I'm going to throw, and because I'm shooting from this lane, I'm going to throw on the left side of the board, I'm going to throw a high shot, and let's say I land it kind of right on top of your bag right in here. Now the best scenario for me to make sure I don't go down more is try to mitigate risk. Now I'm down 3-0. Yeah, and for those of you who just uh, who are listening, I threw my bag, and now there's kind of three bags, two of them that are mine, one of them that are Scott. I've got three. Correct. Right now... Like, me trying to throw it in, I'm not as good of a player, right? So if I don't throw it in, for me to try to throw it in, I don't have a lane to push mine in. By the way, I'm out of bags right now. You're out of bags, right? So, like, if I throw it off the board, now I'm down 3-0 instead of 2-0. So I'm just, I know I can hit the board, so I'm going to hit the board somewhere on there, whatever. doesn't really matter. I'm on the board. Now I'm up by 2. You're up by 2. We play again. Now, hold on. Hold on. Now this is where people could have match play syndrome, or excuse me, stroke, stroke play, play syndrome. When they say, okay, they're just thinking of this one frame. They're not thinking of the whole 21, 21 points that we're playing to, right? Correct. And so some people, they might throw this one. It doesn't hit the bag. Neither of them goes in. Maybe, your first, maybe the one that you threw goes off the board. Now you're down three. So now <clears throat> there's two different types of strategies in game theory. You have optimum strategies and dominant strategies. Dominant strategies are the best strategy for me 
regardless of the outcome of the other player. This doesn't matter if it's a sequential game or a simultaneous game. So again, just as a reminder, this is a sequential game. There's an order. He goes, I go, he goes, I go. So if we are to replay this, right, given all of that information, I'm not as good of a thrower. What would be my dominant strategy as not being as good of a thrower? To go first, if you can. If I can. But we know it's not likely for me to go first. What should I be trying to do if I'm not as good of a thrower? What do I need to try to make sure happens on every single throw? Get points on the board. I got to get something on the board. What I'm hoping for is a scenario because you're going to be a little more assertive. And if I can stay in the game long enough, what's likely to happen when a weaker player stays in a game longer than they should? What is the better player likely to do? The better player is likely to overcompensate because they think right? that they should be miles better than so that So if I happen to throw one of these... Right in front I of I did this the with Hill, Hillsdale College. We actually played cornhole. And I said, all right, who's the best player at cornhole on the team? One kid raised his hand. Who's the weakest player on the team in cornhole? Another kid raised his hand. All right, great. They all agreed to, like, these two guys were the best and the worst on the team. We threw. Strategically, I, like, I watched them both throw. I was like, dude, the kid that's actually worse has a better throwing motion than the guy that isn't. But he made terrible decisions. So I let them see where those bad decisions were. Then we coached. We basically coached the so, so-called weaker player who was actually a better thrower, had better skill at throwing. He wasn't playing this he just kept trying to throw it in the hole he didn't understand that all he had to do like he's trying to airmail bags and stuff i was like dude it's a longer game than that it's the game isn't one on the one time at the end it's one yeah, throughout yeah. the entire time and so we're coaching him he ends up we end up playing two more games and he smokes him it's like 21 to 3 and 21 to 7 but he was down like 14 to 2 because he was just making dumb decisions. Yeah. Which was really interesting to see happen. And so, like, the best case scenario for me is I happen, maybe you make the first one, then I just throw it short and on the front. Then. So I made the first you one. You made the first so one. So now it's three to nothing. So I throw short and on the front. So, so now, now it's, it's two. Yeah. So I'm up you're, you're going to keep trying to make, probably. Am I? Or are you saying in this scenario? You know you're better than me. Right, like you, you want to go ahead and beat the, the guy as much as possible. Are you saying this is a fictitious scenario? Yeah, like and what? Ha what could happen? Let's just play it. Well, out. I'm saying if I'm if playing try here, to throw I'm just it hitting in. on the board again, like we did last time. Right, because you just. But if you keep doing that, you keep me in the game. Your mm. dominant strategy is still to try to score. I see what you're saying. But you can't be overly aggressive. Okay, so, so let's say now that you have more skill. So now you try to make it on the. You don't want to give me points. You don't want to give the weaker player free points. What I'm. What am I hoping for? I'm hoping that you knock my bag in. Correct. I'm the weaker player. Correct. Right. So this is what happens in match play, especially when strokes are being given in match play tournaments, right? Which is happening at our club right now, right? So you have a team match play and you have an individual match play, and so. There's a dominant strategy for you, which is basically, when at all possible, try to hole it. But by biasing on this side, what might happen? On the left side. You might miss the board to the left. Yeah, might miss on the left. What you can't afford to do is to knock me in, because mm. I'm not good enough to knock myself in. 
Okay, so I see what you're saying. So what you're saying is, if I take the approach, I can't afford to knock you in, so I'm not going to throw off the. I'm not going to throw down the middle. If I take the bias on the left side, now let's just say we're playing with with this much with this much room, essentially. And honestly, let's be you're completely playing, honest. I'm yeah, playing you're playing on room. the edges. So I'm playing with this much room here. So if I continue to go up the middle, I'm going to hit you off. A smart player would just land it on the board. Straight right, up. but you keep me in it because I'm only going to throw Correct. Correct. singles, and if you happen to miss on one, Correct. ooh, good, I get to pick Correct. up some points. But you can see how small of an area I have to hit if I bias the left side. But you're, can, you're good enough to still be able to make them on the edges? Yeah. I'm not good enough to do that. So, like, <clears throat> this is where weaker players can beat better players mm. if they play what's called their dominant strategy. My best strategy is going to be to throw it short the entire time. I see what you're saying. Okay, excellent. And hope that you knock one or two of mine in. So if we relate this to match play, if so, if you're playing against somebody who's significantly better than you are, your strategy is to just center green. Right. What is the best play for you? Well, I'm not very good at hitting a five. Don't hit a five iron. Yeah. Hit the hit the clubs you have control over. This yeah. is how you win match play events. Well, he hit it in there to. 10 feet. What's the, op what's the probability he's going to make it from 10 feet? Not very high. Tour mm. players, it's still less than 50% for a tour player. So what you're saying, too, is that if you're a worse player going into a match play event and you see somebody stick it, you see your better player stick it to like 15 it's feet, fine. your Let best shot, it. fine. You can take the averages of that putt being made, which is what? It's less than 35% from mm -hmm. 10? Uh, yeah, that's about right. So match play for the first part of the tournament is most mostly built on your ability to play your dominant strategy. So it basically plays like a simultaneous game, which we haven't talked about yet. Mm. But it basically is what is my best dominant strategy for me to play. Now, the, we can go down the weeds with this like I did with Zach and Ken last week of people go, well, you know, I'm over, I'm hitting too many draws. I'm going to try and hit it straighter. As soon as you try to hit it straighter, you change your potential shot pattern. How well do you know your shot pattern? How well do you know your opponent? Most people don't know themselves very well, so as soon as they try to do something different with their golf swing when they're playing, you've now presented an entirely different player. Like, maybe you trying to hit it straighter makes, you, makes me like you. But maybe me doing that creates a whole different type of player that I don't even know who is there. Could he hit it good? Yeah, but he might hit something entirely different. Mm. So how well do you know your most dominant strategy? This is why tour players don't like hitting a shot that isn't their stock shot. Rory hits draws, right? We were talking, DJ me and Tate hits, were talking about this on the range. This is a, you got to see it out there like, so DJ, how often do you hit draws on the golf course? You guys may have seen this float through social the last, sometime in the last two weeks. He's like, never? Like, wait, never? He said, not on purpose. I never try to hit a draw, ever, right? Because he knows what that ball is going to do if he fades it. Even if it doesn't fade the amount that he wants, he has an idea of where that pattern is. He has awareness of his own ability. So when you're playing match play, you not only have to have awareness of your own ability, you have to have the awareness of the other player's ability. Yeah, here's where it comes in. This, yeah. is, why it's, this is why some say that match play is the purest form of golf and is the, most, is the best form of competition for golf. Because it's not just you against the golf course. Yep. It's you against the golf course and another player. Yes. And the ability to know both of those games. 
Yeah, yeah, you're you're essentially playing chess against yourself. Right. right. So here's where people get messed up in stroke play. So they start match play tournaments like, oh my gosh, I, like I bogeyed the first hole. So, and he parted. it. So, like, there's a dominant strategy for you through the most of the round. This is why I tell people, I was like, play the first like 12 holes, like you would normally play golf. Like that's how you play match play. You play your normal strategy the whole way out. Um until it has to become sequential. If he does this, then I do this. Correct. And what was interesting is since we've been having this match play out here on the course, I've had the opportunity to play twice when uh, – thanks, Dave, for holding the board. I think we're good for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, dude. Really appreciate that. Um, I had the opportunity to play with these guys who were playing match play. So essentially I was playing my own ball. They were playing their match play against each other. Yeah. There's a lot of times, dude, where I would make friends with, you know, one or the other or both. And I'd be talking to one of them while the other one's shooting. And it was so baffling to me how many times we would have the better player try and make a hero shot after the worst player just put it in the water where it's like, dude, all you have to do is put this thing like 50 feet from the pin and you have an easy win here. Right. It is you're not trying to go low in these in these games. So in match play, this is where people change like they don't understand the game they're in. Match play is only match play when it has to be match play. Match play is only match play when it has to be match play. Stroke play is stroke play until it has to be match play. When is a stroke play event? match play so here's why stroke play is simultaneous let's say you've got 50 people in the field or maybe your flight maybe you got 10 people in your flight you have very little knowledge of what they're doing and let's assume it's at least a one-day event probably two days what you do jack on the second hole has no influence on what i do on the second hole because there's no relationship to it. Even if we're playing the same hole, people yeah. go like, oh, yeah. man, he's looks like he's going to birdie that hole. So people start trying to play against the player that they're playing against. It's like, that's not the game you're playing. Because it's a what simultaneous happens? game. Here's you, the thing. you just made it a sequential game. Correct. And uh, in these simultaneous games, right. if you're trying to play the sequential game against your partner, well, what happens if, that, if your partner isn't on top of the leaderboard and you use that guy as your metric the entire time? Correct. You're the same guy. Like you're, you're at that guy's level. Correct. And so you also don't see what's going to happen in all of the other parts correct, of the game. Correct. You have no idea. And take, like, let's go another step further. You're trying to make an assumption off of their game, and you don't even know their game. Mm -hmm. You don't even know the game that you have. Mm. Why are you trying to make yeah. a decision off of theirs? So in dominant strategy, so you use your dominant strategy everywhere throughout the entire round until it has to be match play. So when... 50 people or 100 people are all in the field playing at the same time. Yeah, they don't start at the same time. It's like, well, gosh, these guys, like, that morning wave already finished and, like, the leader's at three under. So? He's not playing when you're playing. He's not playing in the conditions you're playing in. The wind is different. The grass is different. Like, yeah. play your most dominant strategy and go from there. Now, here's where stroke play becomes match play. When does it become me against you? At what point in the tournament does it become me against you? At the end when we're tied. For? The lead. Correct. Or we're near the end and we're near the lead. You could be near yeah. the lead as well. This is what happened to Micah in this last tournament at 
in Kentucky. He was playing in the final round. He's playing against these other guys, and I think he got into the trap just a little bit of trying to play match play too early. And then at the end, he was trying to win the tournament. So he's made a couple of bogeys coming down the stretch, but he was four back with six to play. What's, he's trying to win the golf tournament. He's not trying to take second or finish higher. He's trying to win the golf tournament. So everything's match play at that point. Like, if that guy hits a great drive, Micah's got to hit a great drive. If that guy hits first in the green and Micah hits second and that guy hits it to 10 feet, Micah's got to hit it to five, right? So, like, that's that then opens up risk, right? He could miss it in a bad spot and make bogey. So that's why I don't like, oh, they choked at the end. It's like they're not trying to tie or finish second or third or fourth. Trying to win the thing. They're trying to win the dang tournament. And so they switch it into match play, which is having knowledge of the other player. Yeah. But you have to have really good awareness of yourself and good knowledge of the other player in order for you to effectively do that. And sometimes people get lucky, right? Just having a chance on the side of luck. So how well do you know them and how well do they know the game that is that they're playing? So that's why it, that becomes like football, right? Like you don't know what they're doing or how well they know and see the same situation. So my question for you is if you find yourself in one of these scenarios where you're either playing match play against a buddy or you're playing in a tournament and you come near the lead at the end, how do you know how to gauge your game versus the other person's game versus the golf course's game? Can you give us a kind of a breakdown on how to identify all of those features so that then we can go and assume our proper roles if you will. Okay, so let's 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 make some logical assumptions here for a second. If you haven't listened to this podcast or you don't have knowledge of sequential and simultaneous games which regardless if they do or not, what do we what can we likely assume about the other person that we're playing in match play? Well, what can we likely assume? What do they understand and not understand about the game that they're playing? What do you think they're trying to do? What do you think most people are trying to do in match play? Trying to beat the other person on every single hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So how does that work out for them? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Do you kind of have to play a few holes to decide how that other person's playing? You have or? no knowledge of them. That's why people come. So people kind of understand match play to a certain degree. Yeah. Most of my students ask me something about match play tournaments what do they usually ask think about the question they're going to ask me once they know who they're playing what do they ask me how how are they how good yeah, are they right they, they're asking yeah. me about the other player yeah, yeah they have some knowledge that match play is me against them yeah they don't and this is why it's silly like when people go play in stroke play tournaments they like look who they're who am i playing against i was like <laughs> you're not playing them you are, but you're in a different game. So this is where stroke play players screw up all the time. They look at who all was in the field. It doesn't matter who's in the field. You have no knowledge of their game. They're probably playing their dominant strategy. They certainly aren't worried about you if they're the better player. They're playing their game. This is why we talk about play your game, play your game. Swing right? your swing, all that kind of so stuff. So if yeah. we can assume that they're trying to beat me on every hole, what are they likely to do? they're likely to get into a situation where they're going to have to perform. Right. And what might they what might they do in some of the first early holes? What could happen? They might try and press the gas pedal too hard in the first couple holes. Right. But what could happen in their favor? I mean, they could make a few birdies. Right. What does that then do to their decision-making? Does it reinforce it or does it discourage it? It reinforces it. Which we know what will happen over the next several holes? Probably will not. Right. Yeah. So okay. what can we then assume, right? So this is still the match play. I'm playing against this person, yeah. right? 
This is where it's still a little bit of match play. I know that, but what do I know? I'm going to play my dominant strategy through and through. Throwing the cornhole, cor throwing the bag just on the cornhole every single time. Right. Bump, bump, bump. On they the got table, lucky. Yep. And sometimes there's a weaker player throwing it and trying to throw it in the hole, and they throw in a couple. I'm still going to try to play my best strategy, which is if against those weaker players, if, they, if I know they tend to be over-aggressive, I'm going to throw it in front of the hole to start and force them to try to make those errors. And what do we always say, too? We say old man par is a hard score to beat. <laughs> right, right. If you shoot, if you make a ton of pars or just make nothing worse than bogey in these match play, especially there's the with the handicapped yeah. fields, yeah. you're going to do very well. It's like, well, a guy made birdie in these early holes. It's like, let him... Like, let him win the first couple. That's not a big deal. It reinforces their strategy. They then continue to do that, and then you start playing better. So then they do what? They press harder, which allows them to make more mistakes. They might make one good hero shot, which stays and reinforces it. So we know that we can just play our dominant strategy, and if you do that, you are most likely going to win match play. You know what's so interesting about Every single the, round. the two match plays that I got to witness – both of them were blowouts. Right. Why? Because they were playing, they weren't playing a dominant strategy in their first several holes. They were trying to play the other person. Yeah. It's not that way until late. If you're three down at the turn, I'm like, just get one back. Oh, dude, this makes, yeah. <laughs> it's still, it's still not a match play situation. Yeah. I just need to win one hole. Yeah. Like, all right, I win the next hole. Now I'm only two down with seven to play. That's fine. Get one more back in the next three. If you get one back in each of the next three, then your last three holes is not a must situation. Keep playing your dominant strategy. What What do we now know happens when you're coming play. back, right? Yeah. As you come back, what's the other player likely to do? Like, oh, crap, I'm losing Press the harder, yeah. Right, because they don't understand the game that, yep, is that yep, they're yep. playing. So the real advantage here for those of y'all listening is just understanding match play. And you guys, I mean, obviously I'm around Scott, so I've heard this I've heard this spiel a few times, but it's still something that like it's hard for me to put into practice as well because it is super foreign. But I would almost I'd almost venture to say that 95% of people who come out here and play in these match plays or just go and play in a match play tournament out in the mm -hmm. middle of nowhere or just random places, they don't know how to successfully identify these scenarios and play to them. Everybody's always just trying to play the best round of golf that they can. Match play is a sequential game at moments, but it's mostly a simultaneous game. Mm. with dominant strategies for each player. Yeah. And so there happens to be things that happen, and this is where the mental toughness component and the ability to focus and s visualize the shot you want to hit can tighten your dispersion pattern windows a little bit. That's mm. what the mental toughness component does is it keeps your dispersion pattern either from getting wider or it allows you to grab certain components of it to get it in a little tighter. That's all it does. It doesn't... It doesn't change your dominant strategy. It just helps you narrow. So uh, I think this would be an excellent way to end the podcast here. Are we Are we pretty much – do you I have mean, anything that's, else? I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I, well, I've got a scenario yeah, yeah, that I want to play. Can, I can still finish my final points, yeah. So what I want to do is I want to play uh, like you and me. We'll play like a little virtual 
if you will, or mental round of golf here. Okay. And I want to play holes one and two here at the bridge in a in a match play scenario. Okay. And let's say we're playing them as if we're playing the entire 18, but we're only going to play the first two. Okay. I'm going to tee off first. Okay. And we might let we if we if this goes well, we might play 17 and 18 too. Okay. Okay. So you're going to tee off first. I'm a smash driver on number one. Oh, so you're going to make me go in a position of having to choose. Well, it would help you to know what I do. Right. Okay. So you're gonna. You're I'm gonna mass driver. All right. You mass. I'm gonna work. push it a little right, and we don't quite know where it is. What do we know is on the right? All those hills. Trees, hills. Now we got tall grass down there. Trees, right? hills, I'm tall grass. Probably not a good spot. You can ask Zach what it's if like. If you bomb down over it, you could be over by the cart path. I I could be over everything. We can't yep. quite tell. We didn't hear it hit a tree, but it's kind of headed at that tree. Yep. I'm way down there. I'm you hitting. Don't um, actually know where the ball is, but we know that it's as a percentage. Yep. It's not in a great spot. I'm uh my skills higher. Yep. So that's knowledge, right? So I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take your strategy here, and I think I would do this really in a match play as well. Uh, I'm gonna take three wood and ensure it doesn't get into the tall grasses. You're gonna keep it short of all. I'm that. gonna keep it short, and I'm probably gonna have like one thirty in. Okay, great. You're playing first now, so which is which is excellent, and I'll tell you why because now I get to go first. Right. And if you're in a poor position and I stick it. Now you're going to have to come up with a hero shot. You don't even have to stick it because if depending I'm on how many on. shots that you get, right? Yeah, so exactly. if we were to play it like true match play and I give you strokes for what's your let's handicap? Say we're, let's say we're even. What's your, what's your handicap? Uh, 6.9. Okay, so you're probably not going to get a stroke on number one out here. You'll yeah. get it somewhere else. No. All right, so uh, I put it to, let's say the pin is in the back left. And okay. I hit the uh, I hit the BPN, but I'm on the I'm on the fringe on the backside. Okay, so I'm going to assume that you are probably going to make par here. I'd say that's fair. I have to. My ball is in the tall grass, the thick stuff underneath the tree. I got a shot to get it to the green. Mm. It's going to be fairly difficult. I know I'm great with my wedges and short game. I oh, we're literally playing this me versus you, like talent wise and everything. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. So, I'm going to take an eight iron to get it up out. I got to make sure it gets out. If it doesn't get out, and because of how thick the rough is and it's sitting down, it's going to stay underneath the tree. Yep. So where does but it I don't end up? really know how hard it's going to go, but I can't go over and go in the water. Correct. I end up short of the green, miss the BPN, and I've got 75 feet. I got, I got a long way to go. So I'm playing first now. Correct. I can assume it looks like now that I got out there, you're about 20 feet from the hole just I'm off in the position. green. Yeah. You're, you putt really well. You're probably going to putt that. Like th These are assumptions I can make because I know you well enough, right? Sure, yeah. You're probably going to putt that. Great. So you're going to two-putt. You're going to make par. Now, Fair. I try to hole every wedge shot no matter what, so I'm not worried about this. I've got to make sure it gets over the ridge, so I'm putting from in the BPA. It stays, yeah. I leave it to four feet above the hole. Okay. So I don't – it's not my best chip. It's fine. It's really good. But I got some work to do. So i got four feet left. What do you have to do? This is where guys like, ooh, he's got four feet. I, could, I might be able to win this hole. This is where people get in trouble. Correct, correct. For me, for me, I knocked that in for par. I did my job. So you two putt. Yeah. So you hit it to a foot. I give it to you. Now I got to hole it. So see how the pressure You got to hole it to win the hole. To tie the hole. Wait, hold on. One, two, three. Yeah, Are you so not, I'm putting for par. Oh, you're putting for par here. Right, you got, you're four, off the you green. got four feet, right? I got four feet, though. Right, yeah, so I got a little, a little, knee, knock, a little knee knocker little work, for par, right? Little knee knocker to push. I'm going to make eighty percent of those, correct? Right, but like maybe seventy five because I don't play much. Whatever. Yep. So I'm three out of four going to make. So this is where the challenge sits. My dominant strategy is just to 
hit the putt the way I normally do. I don't need to try to hit it firm. I don't hit my putts firm. I die in kind of mid-speed. Just take my strategy and go. This is where the bogging down. I cannot slow down my routine. I cannot, like, part of dominant strategy is staying in your routine, too. Yep. So I'm just going to walk up, do my normal thing, look at it, line it up. I don't look at it till you're done. Yep. That's my deal. Line it up, no practice strokes, go out and hit it. I make par, we both tie. But I feel a okay. little like, like, crap, I almost lost that hole. Yeah. Yeah, so you see how so it changes. See how the feel. And I had a stress-free par. Right. But this is the danger of playing match play. If we're playing 18 holes, I cannot, I cannot play that comparison to you that early. Correct. So now let's tee off on two. I'm just gonna smoke drive. Well, yeah, I'm still first. I'm just still smoke first. driver. Push it a little right, near the cart path. Fairway? No, I missed the fairway. Uh, I'm in. I'm near the okay. cart path in the rough. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna hit driver. But and I can get. I can get it on the green at two from there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hit driver. Uh, I'm shorter than you because I don't hit it. Almost, I almost hit it as far as you. Not not really. Yeah. Uh, so I hit it close up to you, but I pull it a little bit, which is my, which is what Your happens miss. to me. It's just my right. miss. And so I'm in the, I'm in the rough. I've got like my back foot is in the tall stuff. Okay, so you've hit it. Okay, this is this is great. So this you, is my back foot in the tall stuff. Bad shots. But I've got a clean lie out. Okay. All right. So now I'm still up. All right. I probably have. What's your most dominant strategy? You have to play your most dominant strategy here. I mean, I've got to see how hard it is to actually dude. know what you I can know, really this do. This is crazy because, like, let's just say I've got, uh, I probably have like two. Seeing this, what do you think I have out from like that the end of that first fairway? Two fifteen. You probably two fifteen, two twenty, but it's sitting down in the rough, which we know is going to be a hard shot to get and up. It's going to come out with no spin, so it's it might not be, even launch high. It enough. Might not even come out. So really, what's your distance like? So think about your wedge shots, right? Yeah. You also can't try to play me right now. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. Right? So I think what my what are, what is likely to happen? What am I likely to do on this hole? You're likely to put it on the green. I, I'm even if I don't put it on the green. What am I likely to make on the hole? Par at least. At worst. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Right. At worst. Right. At worst, I'm gonna make par. So that means that I'm I, likely to make birdie probably half of the time. Right. Right. So like, but you're you also not assume, in the fairway. You're also right. not in the fairway. Right. So for me, I'm just saying, okay. But I've got two hundred. Correct, and so I know that I know my irons well enough right. to where I'm. I, I really kind of have to pure something to even have a chance at something like that. So yep. I'm like, all right, let's let's take a let's put the six pin on, iron. Let's put the pin on the front where it gets harder to spin it and stop it. Yeah, let's take a uh, let's take a six iron. Let's say I hit it one out and out of the rough, and I'm just kind of chopping at it because I have to get it. I've got uh, tall grass in my backswing, yep. so I'm chopping at it, and it leaves me with a uh, 50 yard wedge shot. Okay, in but I'm on fairway grass. Great. I missed the green long right. I'm at that 75 foot range again. You just saw how it did on the previous hole. You know how good I am with my wedges. What am I likely to do from here? Likely to make, make par. birdie. My second shot's a par five. Oh, oh, par five. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I just missed the green yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. I'm basically going to yeah. repeat the same scenario You're I had here. You're likely to make birdie. Yeah. I'm likely but to make birdie. I'm also likely to make birdie because I'm 50 yards out. Right. On but my what third do you shot. have to be? It's a front pin. What do you have to make sure you don't do? I'm. There's not a guarantee that I'm going to make birdie. I have to make sure that I make par. Right. Yes. That's your best, that's your most dominant strategy is for you to make par. If you try yep. to make birdie and you miss, you pretty much guarantee yourself two more shots in, which now puts you in. Yep. So because of that. If you leave that, it short because you tried to finesse it too much or uh -huh. you blade it long, now you just introduce bogey as a possibility 
which virtually guarantees you to lose the hole. Ah, see, there's the kicker, and that's why I wanted to do this exercise. So uh, right. let's just say I am going to I'm going to continue. Like now, I'm feeling the pressure, right? Because you're up there into pretty good spot. I had to just had to punch it out of some rough. I'm kind of on some nerves. I got a 50-yard wedge shot to a tight front pin right. that I'm end up I'm short-sided on. So I'm like, all right, we're gonna hit this. My goal is to hit that front lip. I have to guarantee that it gets over. And it has to go it whatever has, it is, 45 it, yards. It has to get over, but I'm gonna leave it there so that my so that some rollout gives me at least I'm at least on the putting surface. Let's say you leave yourself. 18 feet. Correct. And so a I it, long. It dribble a little long. It dribbles off to the right. It kind of gets in that little collection area. I've got 18 feet right. for birdie. Great. I chip it to a foot and a half, make the putt. Yep. And you just go ahead and give it to me. Yep. Now you've got, you've got 18 gonna, feet. This is going to tell me that I don't, I'm not going to make it. Right. So here's what people try to do. You try to make it. Then you hit it too hard. What do we know when people hit it too hard? We've talked about this, like, based on my research. If you start hitting it too hard early, you're going to take too low of lines later. Mm, yep. Right? So this is you still have to play your dominant strategy, which is to hit an average speed putt. i got to make sure I get it there. No, 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 no. You've got to just hit your putt as good as you can hit it and let it play out. Because right now, I'm not even playing you. Like, I, right. I talked about it in the first hole of, like, okay, you're you're long. I know you're going to make this. It's like, actually, my most dominant strategy is an eight iron out of that rough. Yeah. And I got to make sure I don't hit it too far. Now, I yeah. might have ended up on the green. Yeah. But, like, I had to make sure it doesn't run over because I don't really know how it's going to come out, right? And now here's – I can't run over the back and put myself in a harder spot where I'm playing from, uh -huh. right? So I'm going to make sure I don't hit it in a worse spot. Anyway, like, you know me, I'm not going to try and put myself in a scenario where I'm going to make double, ever. Yep. So, And I feel like there's going to be a lot of people here where it's like, well, why don't you just take a three iron and try and run it up on the green and, and do all that? I don't have control over that. Well, and, and also, too, this it's not my dominant strategy. This match play is a game of leverage, right? Who has the leverage at, at what times and how you can control the pace, right? When I was hitting my shot out of the rough from 215, we were even. I didn't know what you were going to hit your wedge shot to. Right. So I have to play you and your game and what you're doing right now. Right. And so here's the question that I would have for you and for the people out here who are probably saying this is on this putt that I have this 18 footer to tie you. Right. Why don't I take just give it a run at the hole? And why like why? Why should I not be afraid to leave it short, if you will? Because I think a lot of people would say. Just make sure it gets there because at least you give you a chance. Worst case scenario, you just go you go to the next hole one down. Because I can tell you when the ball goes three feet by the hole, that hole is only like 1.1 inches wide for you to make the putt. Well, and I know that, but for some right. people who are like, well, why right. don't you just at least give it because a run? Because a diet in speed a foot by the hole makes the hole two and a half times wider. And there's your answer for everybody who's looking at the hole. Right, so hole. your percentage make actually is higher by not trying to make sure I got to get it there. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Now, if I if you happen to make that, it reinforces it, and now you're in trouble. But here's this is the why other thing. I'm just like, hey, man, like if a guy makes a couple of putts in the first several holes, he's not going to keep making them. But if he gets under my skin, you get somebody who rides on momentum well. Then you gets start them taking in a positive shorter lines. Mindset, yeah, right? yeah. And then you start. So this is what happened when we watched the match play that previous year. It's like one of the guys just made a couple of putts early, and the other player's like trying to press. It's like, dude, you don't need to press, man. Like, just hit it into the center. Yeah. So you have to play whatever your dominant strategy is. And the thing is, most of you don't actually know what that is. Love that. 
Yeah. You have to figure out what your dominant strategy is, and you need to play it all of the time. So even if we're playing match play, and now if we're playing nine holes, that that window is tighter. So I have to start playing match play a little sooner. Mm. But if we're playing eighteen, I don't I don't have to press at all. Like it's a great point, and you shouldn't either. Because here's the other thing that a lot of people don't think about as well, and uh, this will be my final point here. What a lot of people don't understand is that, especially in a situation where you guys are playing uh, handicapped and the worst player gets strokes, mm -hmm. right? The advantage that the other person has goes away because you're getting that advantage right back in the form of strokes. So I feel like a lot of amateur players who are playing a lot of, it's a lot of better players are thinking that they're going to have to push, push, push if they go down a few holes early that they might not stroke on. When in reality, they just need to be patient, play their dominant strategy, and keep on playing that dominant strategy, especially when you have a stroke. This is why I watch good players with low handicaps get really frustrated in match play. Like, oh, the guy's getting 12 shots. Like, I don't, I only get one or I don't get any. Like, that's just not like a matchup. Like, he'll make a double or a triple, and like, that's to his advantage, and I'll just make a bunch of pars. I was like, the reason why you're making a bunch of pars is you're trying to make more birdies. Right? Like you're actually not playing your dominant strategy. That 67 that you shot a few weeks ago yep, or a week ago and that 71, like a lot of those guys, if you actually look at their score, they shot higher than their handicap because they're playing early push, in the push, round. Push. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because the guy will have a couple of hard holes. We got four, seven, yeah. three, like you, or eight. Like you have some hard holes early in the round. So they start playing – they start playing match play before it's time to play match play. And if you ask a good player who's playing match play, and if your dominant strategy is stress-free pars, giving decent rolls for birdie, and all right, fine, we miss them, some of them short, some of them long, some of them we make, you know, we're getting stress-free pars, right? right? Why is that some, Why is that bad? Right. Why do, you, why do you feel like you have to score to feel like you're in the lead? And for tour players, it's kind of tricky. Yeah. Because that par is now birdies. That they can make a lot yes, more yes, birdies, yes. right? And a lot yeah. of these guys know everybody else's game inside and out. <laughs> right. right. They know each other's game super yeah. well. Yeah. And so it's why certain guys tend to play well in match play over and over again. Yep. Love that. So they're two different games, but they're mostly simultaneous they're mostly simultaneous games until they have to be sequential games and once you understand that you stop trying to play the guy that's next to you or girl that's next to you and you start trying to play you against the golf course old man par like you play your most dominant strategy how do you know your most dominant strategy you get the champions playbook we're back to that book go play 10 balls out like go late in an evening at your home golf course and hit 10 balls play all 10 like number seven you got 175 yards out and you're like I'm going to go for it play 10 balls short and play 10 balls on finish all those out with penalties and everything that happens with that play all the other 10 out that are short and play them over and figure out on the average which one of those pans out over time that's the one you need to play unless you are there's three holes left and you're three down right it's a different game in that scenario that's cool. I was just thinking about a scenario in my head where if I was like, if I told a member out here that they were, they were going to go shoot a 70, you know, let's just say they're going to go shoot an 81. And I say, hey, you can either go and have this score and have your partner try and beat it. And let's just say we have the pre-made scorecard out. Right. 
we have this 81. You can take it and have your partner try and play against that, or you can go try and do it yourself. I feel like a lot of people would probably be like, yeah, I'll take the 81. But the thing about the sequential games, the sequen is, it, is it possible that a worse score could still beat a lower? It, it's possible that a worse score could still beat a, a better score. Correct, depending on how it's played out Correct. and when, when the higher score hits. Yes, so that's Cause why. Because well, a double on. or a triple only counts for one Correct. against you. Correct, and so that's why I'm saying to to the other these other people that that is why you need to know the other person's game and the golf course at the same mm -hmm. time because it's not about who shoots the lower score. It's about who plays the right game at the right time. Right, right. Love that. This has been a fun one, dude. This was so much better than the last one, I think. I know, yeah. It and was I think awesome. drawing some of that out got – and we went from we went from like base level – to like which which was no physical skill yeah, we, went we to added 101. some physical physical yeah. skill then yeah. we went to the complexity like you don't know your game get to know it if That's you want to get to know it call me on the full swing i can help you understand your motion call elijah on the golf course love it love it love it so and uh follow play. and subscribe to the champions playbook for your right. headspace <laughs> that's right that's right no it's good like oh, so good know the game that is you're playing and it's a it's a simultaneous game not a sequential game until it has to be and it's much later than you think it is love that love that if you guys found any kind of value out of this episode which i hope you did make sure to please follow us on youtube subscribe to us on youtube and then follow us on spotify and uh leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Remember, play with the pod last weekend in July uh, for you guys to come out and play with the pod. We would love to have you there. Would love to uh, help y'all's games out. Just have a fun time and uh, get away from Franklin Bridge and put our skills to the test in a different place. So, um, again, if y'all find value, please follow Scott on Instagram at Golf And uh, our new one, which we have not been promoting at all, FBPI Golf. Franklin Bridge Performance Institute here at Franklin Bridge. Our social media has been doing really well on FBPI. Uh, FBPI and Franklin Bridge and Scott, they all you know network and co-mingle together and play off of each other. So you guys need to follow all three to be in tune of what we got going on here at the bridge. So for the No Mulligans podcast, it's Scott and Jack on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. There's one rule!